and welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes. I'm an author, lifestyle entrepreneur, former pro athlete, and world record holder in football. My goal with the School of Greatness is to share with you stories from the most inspiring business minds, world-class athletes, and influential celebrities on the planet to help you find out what makes great people great. So please leave us a review over on iTunes and join us on the web at schoolofgreatness.com to be notified of each episode when it comes out. Now let's get after it. Today I have the world's fittest man on to talk about what it takes to win what I would say is the most challenging physical contest known to man, the CrossFit World Championships. Now our guest, Graham Holmberg, is a personal friend of mine. I've known Graham since college. We were football teammates. We were both wide receivers at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. I taught him how to play the guitar. We had many, many late nights playing poker in the college dorm and all sorts of amazing stories I could share with you at another time. But Graham is really the guy who got me back into shape. After I got injured playing professional football, After I was recovering, I went to Graham to figure out how I could lose the weight and really get back into peak performance. He told me about this new thing he was doing called CrossFit, and he introduced me to this workout that's really transformed the way that I run my life and my fitness levels. And Graham won the CrossFit World Championships in 2010, and has since then been to two other games, done extremely well, and continues to be one of the the leaders in the CrossFit community. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed doing the interview with Graham. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite 
lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. How you doing, my man? Good. Luke. Doing Thanks good? for having me. Yeah? Um, so tell me, why are you so passionate about CrossFit? Um, it's a pretty tough question to, to kind of nail in one easy sentence. It's almost uh, the same kind of approach when somebody asks you, what is CrossFit? Right. You know, it's, it's like, well, how much time do you got for me to explain it all? <laughs> but the, uh, you know, I think my original start into CrossFit was um, just a, a, almost a, a pride thing and, and an athlete and being competitive. It was like, there's a competition, I want to go win it. Right. And uh, so my training was all just designed to, just to be the best and go win. And uh, as I kind of learned more about the sport, learned more about um, running an affiliate, uh, being a personal trainer, and then just being involved with a great community of people, it's, it's awesome to be a part of uh, so many people's lives, mm-hmm. to impact, to inspire, and uh, just to be able to coach people on a day-to-day basis and uh, just help people reach their goals, just like uh, I originally was able to reach my goal. Right. So tell me about, let's get back into kind of your youth. Tell me about your story as a kid. Were you always an athlete, or was this something you became an athlete later in life? Uh, always an athlete. As far as I can remember, my dad always had me in sports. Yep. Uh, I had three older sisters, all were in sports. And um, my dad was my coach and probably the most competitive person I've ever met. And so I think that uh, competitive streak obviously transferred into me. And uh, just growing up, it was always you got to train, <clears throat> you got to train harder than everybody that you're going against. Uh, everybody's going to catch up. And, and I don't know if it was necessarily that uh, you know I was born with just great athleticism, or if it was just my dad just pushed pushed me to my you know my limitations and then beyond what I thought I could ever do. So as uh, as I grew up, it was just always instilled in me: give everything you got. Mm. Um, you're at the field longer than everybody else till it got dark always doing one more extra round, one more extra set, um, doing the extra mile. Uh, so that was just kind of growing up until, until I kind of started reaching in high school and kind of almost started getting my own kind of a mentality of what I wanted with life. And um, obviously girls started coming into the equation, uh, the party scene, everything started coming into play. So uh, views in um, my, my mentality and focus started kind of steering a different direction. Right. So now we played college football together, obviously. And uh, tell me about your experience in college, because it's much different now from when college used to chew tobacco, drink a lot of alcohol. You know, there was the girl thing all the time. I mean, tell me about your experience in college, and did you feel like you were on your right path in college? Um, I probably wouldn't admit it at the time, but obviously looking back, I can definitely say um, I remember getting recruited by Division One schools um, for high for for football and baseball in high school, um, offered scholarships. Because you were all state, right, in, in both football and baseball? Uh, I was all league, all in, league. Our, in our school, but, again, kind of going back, just always remembering, hey, you need to keep training hard, training hard. I was always one of the best athletes in our in our city growing up. Right. And you kind of thought, oh, what he's saying isn't going to really ever apply. Everyone will catch up. Right. And so that kind of right. started happening. Everyone started catching up. Right. And uh, at that point, I kind of lost some of that work ethic that I originally was instilled with mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, so almost going to a smaller Division three where I ended up ended up playing football and baseball at um, probably was just shy of really the end result of what I probably could have got right. myself to if right. I'd have kept pushing pushing hard. Now, did you end up becoming an All American in baseball or All Conference or what? All Conference? All Conference. Yeah, All Conference in baseball, football. I had to end up changing positions because I was behind an yeah. All American quarterback. Right. So I switched positions to receiver, but ended up starting. Um, half of our junior year right. and then all of my senior year right. so um yeah it was just some some uh, some adversities that happened and had to had to change and had to start working hard to, to try to catch up but almost at that point it was almost too late mm. for for the sporting career right. that i what originally kind of hoped and dreamed of fall or football right right so now why do you think you partied so much in college because you partied pretty hard from what i remember <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean it's it's funny to think of as i grow up uh you know, you go to these, you hear these health classes and stuff of like peer pressure and this and that, and you're like, ah, oh, no way, I'm above that, and um, and it happens. I mean, it just it, it flat out happens. And I think it was my sophomore year in high school, got introduced to to dip and tried it, chewing tobacco, and it's like, oh, I actually kind of liked it. So right. um, started doing that on a regular basis. Started you know partying. Had older sisters, so you know they they I could get get alcohol or right. you know if I wanted to, to smoke some weed or something I sure. you know you knew the right people or could get connections so yeah I mean and and then at the same time you're thinking oh I can still do this and I can still play sports and still be successful in my sports mm-hmm. it's not really slowing me down it's not really gonna it's not gonna hinder what I'm doing yeah so once I started dipping drinking smoking weed um, it wasn't uh, it really didn't seem to affect you, you know, can still compete at a high level. Sure. You're a good enough athlete to compete in high school and in college. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously girls. I mean, it's just another distraction. Right. Um, dating girls, in and out of relationships. And it's like, oh, it's, that's not going to deter you know, right. me from training or right. screw me up on the court or on the field. Yeah. And, uh, and I really didn't see much kind of um, much problems with it because I was still successful and yeah. still had, had good, uh, good, uh, good performances and good games. Yeah. But uh, – yeah, there was definitely, I could tell that there was a lack or there was a piece missing from, like, my work, work ethic and just uh, didn't excel or didn't uh, perform to, I think, what I always perceived that I was capable of. Right. Now, you don't do dip, you don't drink, you don't smoke anymore, right? Right. So what was the thing, either during college or after college, that made you decide that you wanted to give it all up? Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously high school, still doing that. That carried right over through college. Um, maybe got amplified a little bit more. Now you're living on your own. Uh, you didn't really have to hide anything from your parents as much because they weren't around. So it was just you doing your own thing and kind of experiencing life as your own young adult right. and trying new stuff. Um, and it just, like I said, just kind of got amplified a little bit more. But uh, I was still able to, you know, get good grades and still compete, still do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it honestly lasted all the way through all the way through senior all my year. sports. Yep, all the way through my senior year. It uh, wasn't until after I graduated from school or getting ready to finish graduating mm-hmm. and uh, had kind of a tragic accident happen with our family, yeah. uh, with my cousin passing away in a car accident. And it was a pretty pretty horrendous moment. Just yeah. um, just it kind of shocked me, kind of shocked, obviously, our family. And, and it just kind of resorted back to me always thinking, oh, I'm invincible. Right. Had a fast car in high school, had a fast car through college. And uh, just making dumb decisions and thinking that You're it's fine. not going to happen to me. It, it, that happens to other people. That it won't ever happen to me. Yeah. And so when that moment kind of hit and kind of saw the kind of the broken family in the hospital, yeah. 
that started uh, kind of tearing into my heart a little bit. And I was raised and grown up in a, a Christian family, yeah. uh, church going. Um, even a couple times through college, found myself in church a few times on Sunday mornings, just kind of knowing that there was something that uh, I was getting tugged, mm. knowing that uh, there was something missing. Yeah. And Were you once, bringing the tobacco in a church? <laughs> I was not bringing it. <laughs> so once... Uh, once that kind of started resettling in again, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of the end of end of December in 2007, uh, right after I'd finished school and graduated, that I decided uh, to kind of get my life back on track with the Lord and uh, just kind of reaccepted Jesus Christ in my life and, and asked him to be my Savior again and just lead me and direct me because obviously I was trying it on my own and it wasn't working right. and, and uh, just didn't want to be kind of left by myself. I just, like I said, felt empty. Yeah. Um, now, how close were you with your cousin? Did you guys grow up together? Did you guys, was he your age? Uh, no, I was 21. Uh, he was 17. Okay. So he was a uh, junior in high school. Yeah. But he had just started maturing, mm. started, kind of just reminded me of me uh, myself a little bit. He played different sports, played football, lacrosse, and wrestled. Yeah. But he was starting to become a young man, starting, yeah. to, starting to lift weights. And it was just cool to kind of see him. Like It always seemed like he was so young, and now he's finally was growing oh, up. Yeah. And then to just get that kind of ripped from him. And it just hurt me because it was like, that could have easily been me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get to experience the same stuff I could have. And it just, I almost saw in him some of the work ethic and stuff that I potentially wanted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that just really just kind of tore into me. So you think he had more of a, a better work ethic than you? Like coming into high school or coming in, going into college, I guess you think he was more focused? Was he kind of going off the path you were or was he more straight focus you know i'm not real sure uh you know obviously i was always around him um multiple times throughout the year definitely holidays we only we lived just right next to the same cities uh his mother my mother sisters Mm -hmm. so it was i i never knew him as to be like a party kind of kid he was always super quiet really humble um i mean he'd always just kind of have this little smile kind of smirk just always a happy kid and uh definitely there i saw parts of me kind of in him with Mm -hmm. you know just kind of that that happy always always kind of go lucky kind of personality but i was definitely more um way more outgoing a lot more pride very cocky and uh i remember definitely (laughs) was not going to be missed out at the party scene and so i didn't know if that really is anything that he was connected with right um but if it was, it was it was never anything obvious. So, after you graduated college, where was your life headed at that point? You were you're chewing tobacco, you're smoking, you're drinking, you're doing the girl thing, the party scene. Where was your life headed, and uh, where do you think it was going to go if you didn't have this tragic accident in your in your family? Honestly, um, I thank the Lord that it, it um, that I don't know where it was going to end up going because right. honestly, I didn't have a clue. Um, I basically picked a very easy major through college. Mm-hmm. Um, you were going to be a teacher, right? I was going to be an art teacher because yep. I kind of wanted to be a teacher and a coach, yeah. being involved with sports. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't know. and I really didn't have a passion for that. Right. But it was like this was an easy major. I could do my art classes and stuff when I needed to um, on the side. And so uh, I just, like I said, it was just empty. I just knew it was like I'll, I'll end up figuring something else out. That was always kind of like kind of my mentality. It was, it was definitely a procrastinator and like oh, i'll figure it out yeah. when it comes up or when it's when the pressure situation comes right. I'll, I'll make a decision and it'll, it'll work and um yeah so i just didn't want to live like that anymore mm-hmm. so started to get a little bit more organized started uh i think i picked up like three or four jobs right, right there in the beginning of january uh, 2008 after the accident right um i uh picked up a coaching job so right. the high school that my cousin went to i became the freshman baseball coach there 
And so that definitely just further helped me. It was like, I don't want to be a hypocrite to these kids and, and inspire them and coach them up and teach them the right habits um, if I'm doing bad stuff as well. Right. So that kind of just, again, just furthered, um, really was kind of all built up and helped, you know, through my faith as well. And uh, once uh, once that started rolling, you know, things good things started happening. I started working out a lot more, started finding myself back in the weight room again. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I'm going to try to pursue going back after baseball again. And I'm just going to get in the best shape I possibly can. And just be Mr. Hustle and just be the guy that right. just does all the dirt. Scrappy. Yep. Hustle, yeah. Everything that you have to do, the coach needs you to do, I'll do. Right. And I always kind of used to despise that kind of player. Like, ah, whatever, I'll just I'll just hit the home runs and right. strike people out. and Steal bases. Steal bases and just, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be the star and make the yeah. stats work versus, uh, you know, being you know, Johnny Hustle, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so as conditioning and everything started rolling, I was like, well, maybe I'll be a personal trainer and help share this experience mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's about when we started training, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you had kind of left Capitol for a while. You were yeah. a year ahead of me and, and uh, came back in. You are like, geez, you're, just, you're going nuts in the workout yeah. room. And just, I got to do this with you. And I remember you just, doing the 300 workouts, right? I was doing it like every day. <laughs> I thought like that's what they did in the movie 300. They were doing right. that 300 workout every single day. Right. So, yeah, I got pretty good at that workout. And that was kind of like the first CrossFit type mm-hmm. really workout that I was yeah. doing. But, you know, running, jumping, being an athlete is involved with CrossFit. Right. So, when I started getting into CrossFit workouts more in detail, it wasn't a huge adjustment because it was like, I already been doing this stuff my whole life. Right. So when did you stop? When did you cut off all the bad stuff in your life? Was it right after the accident? Was it It was progressive? Cold, tur- it was, cold turkey? It was cold turkey no right smoking, there on that no spot. Drinking, yeah. no, no dip. You didn't have another pack of dip in your mouth, right? Right. Yeah, it's been, uh, let's see, almost six years now. Wow. So it was cold. That yeah. day, when you found out, you stopped. Yeah, I, I made a decision to... Uh, to just completely wipe that stuff out of my life and uh, not really, really let it control me anymore. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And do you feel like if you'd still be living that lifestyle, having the, the substances in your body, do you feel like you would have the opportunity to be a CrossFit world champion? I definitely can't say that. I, that would that would be uh, the same case. Right. Um, there's definitely a, a scripture that talks about water coming out of a, a spout being salt water or fresh water, uh-huh. and it can't be both, mm. you know. And so for me, it's it's I can't be uh, I can't be this kind of party animal and um, living my own lifestyle, right. and then also trying to pursue this dream that requires a different lifestyle. It's it's just not going to work. Right. So I have I've made mistakes. I have drank. Sure. You know, since then. Um, I've had a you know a cigar with right, with my right. you know with my uh, my father-in-law and you know out on a golf course or you something. Get married, but, yeah. yeah, I've gotten married, but uh, yeah, as far as you know, it's the drug consumption and you know right. drinking and partying multiple times throughout the week and weekend. It's not know, a part of your life. It can't be. So what was the? Uh, so you started training more. You started cutting the uh, bad stuff out of your life. What inspired you to get into CrossFit? How did you find out about it? What really got you going? When I heard about CrossFit, I was still in school, and it was just one of my friends that I played football with. And he said, I, I see you working out at the Cap Center all the time. You should look into CrossFit. They kind of do the same stuff. Right. And I thought, no, what I'm doing is way harder than what anybody else is ever doing. And I, and I was kind of like still almost got – Yeah, I still had a little cocky <laughs> attitude with me. And it was like I was challenged. I would just flat out put the challenge to people. I'm like, right. I almost want to put a video out and just say anybody in the world wants to come try to beat me in these workouts. You were a freak, I remember. It was insane. <laughs> So it was, um, it was kind of a fun kind of cockiness with it all, but at the same time, it was still kind of a learning experience and, right. and still developing the skills. As I became a personal trainer and got more and more delved with back with Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting and introducing tires and 
Um, more and more pull-ups, sandbags, just more awkward objects, kettlebells. So I was really doing a lot of CrossFit movements uh-huh. that you incorporate in the games and every day in CrossFit gyms. I just didn't know that that's like that there was CrossFit affiliates that were doing that, right. like we were doing at the, the facility I was training at. So my my partner, or he was just a, another trainer at the same facility. He had kind of heard about CrossFit before I did mm-hmm. and really didn't say too much because he wanted to go, to go get certified and go <laughs> learn more about it just for his own expertise. Sure. But the more he started looking into it and searching on YouTube and seeing these guys, he's like, you got to do this, man. You're, yeah. He's like, I think these guys can beat you in these workouts. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. So we started looking into it. And I think that was when I saw like Jason Kalipa uh-huh. had just won the 2009 games. Uh-huh. So... That was uh, the end of... 2008 games, because you competed in... Sorry, yeah, 2008 games. He had just won the the games in 2008. So the end of 2008 and then the beginning of 2009, that was right when I first heard about it and started searching it. And so what happened next? You started training for it? You started... What happened? Well, found Cross... Obviously got onto CrossFit.com and started looking at what the workouts were. Right. And they didn't... They weren't that much different from what I was doing. They were just a little more organized. I was just kind of a... Uh, throwing something I was together. just crazy. I would just, I was almost like, just take as much movements as you can, throw a bunch of reps with yeah. it, and just kill it as fast as you can. Right. And uh, and if you weren't dying on the ground, exhausted, <laughs> you didn't go hard enough, kind of right. idea. So the uh, so more kind of structure right. with my training also started happening as that structure training came around. Brandon, my my friend and you know training partner at the time, goes, "There's a regional coming up. They they now have mm. to have you have to qualify to make it to regionals. the games." CrossFit Regional uh-huh. in 2009, and uh, it was in May, and I had about three months to prepare for it. Wow. So we just started going nuts, training really hard, and I was super confident going into it, You're telling my parents, shape, right? yeah, best shape of my life, telling my parents, I'm going to win this thing, wow. come out, watch me crush this, like this is what I do, I'm beating these guys' times, I'm beating the previous champs' times on the workouts that right. he's posting, right. so I was definitely ready for it. Uh, 2009 Regional rolls out. And I get smashed on the first workout. Like, it kicked my butt way better, worse than, like, any workout I ever did. What was like, the first workout? It was 21-15-9 with 275-pound deadlift and chest-to-bar pull-ups. Okay. So it just ripped my hands open. Like, my back was fried. Uh, like, my technique on kipping pull-ups wasn't Horrible. as good as it needed to be at the time. This was regionals. This is at the regional level. Okay. So I'd still really just learned how to do kipping pull-ups better. And that workout just smashed me. And then we had to come back later in the day and do a double kettlebell thruster and burpee workout. Wow. It was rough. And then we ended with like a long row, a 2,000-meter two, row to sure. finish the day. And uh, the first workout was humbling. It was like I was like 25th right after the first wad. In regionals. In regionals. Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to win this. I'm top, just going to crush this. Top two, this. go? Top. At this time, the... the the um, setup to make it to the games was different. Okay. So this this region allowed the top six to make it. Okay. And um, so you're in 25th, and you've got to be in top six. Right. To go to the world championships. Yep. So I just kept calling, scratching, fighting back. And uh, last workout going into it, I think I was in seventh place. Okay. So I was one place out to make it to the games. Wow. And uh, ended up getting third on the final workout. Like third fastest time, just by like two seconds, I was only wow. right there, t- almost tied the first and second place, and jumped from seventh and got fourth place and qualified wow. for the games. Wow! So kind of your make or break moment. You yeah. made it so you could at least qualify to see if you could compete at the games. Right. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, so what happened next? You go to the World Championship? 2009 games, and, and honestly, just all the buildup and all the hype getting into the, that regional, I felt like it just wasted my, I lost so much energy and so much focus and so much. Because uh, you didn't win the regional. Yeah, so it was it was really, really exhausting mentally and physically, just all the hype building up for that regional. Yeah. So it was tough for me to kind of refine that, that spark in my training. Right. I was almost burnt out sure. as the games kind of came up, but I was still in you know, awesome shape. I was trying to get a little bit stronger, and mm -hmm. uh, I think I gained about five more pounds in the next couple months to try to be stronger for the competition. Right. And uh, 2010 game, sorry, 2009 games, right. kind of the events start rolling out, and uh, yeah, it just didn't do as well as I wanted. <laughs> you think you'd win in 2009? I, I was very high expectations. Yeah. I, I felt, okay, I'm stronger. I'm still in great shape. Um, I was I was confident that I was going to do very, very well. I didn't right. necessarily... I had the, the you know, you, you wouldn't go out there and compete if you didn't think you were going to win. Right. But uh, You weren't sure what to expect. Either. Right. I had no yeah. clue what to expect. I knew this was my first exposure to this right. whole event. Uh, first time ever going to California. So there's just sure. a whole new experience involved with it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the events started kind of coming out. And, what were the results? Well, I ended up 19th okay. out of, I think there was 74 guys. Yeah. The first event was a 7K mountain run. Wow. So there's no mountains in Ohio. So <laughs> I really hadn't done any long distance any kind of hill running. Yeah. So I got 56 on the first workout. Wow. So I just had to keep clawing and fighting back and, and they made cuts after day one. And I think I, they took the top 16 to day two and I was 19th place. 
So I was three spots off of making it to day two. Wow. So, so tell me about how you felt after you got 19th in 2009. Um, well, I had my whole family basically saying, oh, you did so great. And everybody was so, you know, so proud, so happy. And I was just so disappointed because, yeah. you know, that was not what I'd set out to do. Right. And uh, just watching the competition the next day and just like, I need, I should still be down there. I should still be competing. I just messed up, you know, it was like I didn't train right. And, and I was very, very upset and like just, just almost upset, like the people still competing, like it was their fault that, you know, that I, that I wasn't down there with them still. But, um, you know, I, on the flight home, I turned to my parents. I'm like, I'm coming back. I'm going to win it next year. Because mm. I just, I knew, I'm like, that was my first exposure to this. I know I can, I know I can do this stuff. I know I can be better than these guys. And I just got to just kind of keep redirecting my focus and make sure that I'm training a little bit smarter. Not necessarily not training hard, but training smarter versus just trying to just kill myself every day. So then that whole next year was more just focused training, a little bit more detailed structure of kind of what I was doing each day. And then obviously started really focusing more on my technique and understanding the lifts better because there was a lot of kind of holes in my game and, right. and just my training approach, stuff that I thought I knew or I could just kind of be athletic and muscle my way through it. Right. But it, it was, it's not just a sport of just who's got the most capacity, but it's technique and skill and, uh, you know, mindset as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you had a full year to think about getting 19th and losing, basically. And you worked on your technique. You worked on, you know, structure of the workouts as opposed to just doing whatever you could do. Yeah. What did you think about, I guess, every day? Were you thinking about winning the whole time? Or were you thinking about just getting faster, stronger, and having more balanced life? Or what was the main thing you were focusing on of your thought? Um, you know, I guess the thought of winning, you know, maybe here and there it would kind of pop in. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely like a kind of a gap, I guess. That I feel like it was just back to the drawing board, just back to training again. And, uh, yeah, because the games, it just kind of kept, you know, comes around once a year. Sure. So, yeah, it was... It's just like you said, just, I'm just going to get stronger. I'm just going to get faster. I'm just going to get better. I'm going to work on some weaknesses, run a little bit more because you know, the, the run destroyed me. And, yeah, I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to try to up my whole game and come back at it strong next year and, and just have a better approach. Right. So tell me, tell me what it was like. The, the whole experience was pretty interesting at CrossFit 2010 yeah. World Games. You went in there feeling confident. You went in there feeling strong, ready, healthy, right? Yeah. But you almost didn't win. Weren't you down in, like, 10th place leading up to the last couple of events? Or tell me how that worked out. The uh, the 2010 games moved from Aromas, California, which was out on, like, this ranch to this the new, new facility in Los Angeles, the Home Depot Center. I'm not sure how new it was, but it was definitely new from where we were, out on, like, dirt and mountainside. Like, it's down to, you know, it's in the city. You have stadiums. You're down in this, um, you know. There's a track. It was. It was like this was a legit competition. Now, cameras and stuff every everywhere. Like real designated warm up areas, locker rooms. It was like okay, this is this is a real deal now. So it was just kind of. I think maybe some guys maybe just got caught up in the that whole now this whole new scene. And uh, yeah, I just it's like I'm just gonna stay focused and just just go out there and just do it. Run my run my pace, run my race, and uh, you know just. Hopefully, you see how, how it works out. I think after the, the first event, I was in 11th place. So I did well on the first event. Not bad out of 50 guys. And uh, the second event, I really didn't think it was my event. It was a lot of running. 
And I, I was like, oh, there's other guys that will win this workout. And ended up winning that workout, wow. get first on it. And then there was a heavy, heavy lift that followed immediately after that workout. And I think their whole idea was whoever wins this workout is not going to get the big, heavy lift. And then I am getting first on the long workout and then third on the heaviest lift. Out of 50. Yeah, so it was, I almost was like one, the workout back, back to back, which was kind of not what they thought was going to happen. They right. thought the fast, lighter guys will win the, the, the workout and the heavier guys will win the strength. And so it'll kind of even everybody out. Sure. So that helps, that kind of separated me from the field pretty quick. So I was like in first place pretty much the whole first day, or really it would have been day two leading into the, the final day, day three. Um, had kind of a bad event the end of day two, so I got bumped to second place. Hmm. So I stayed in second place all the final day. The third day. Right. Okay. And just had to keep clawing back, keep fighting, keep fighting. It's like I'm sitting right here. I can win this still. Just a few points behind the, the person who's in first. And, uh, yeah, the last events, they, they ended up kind of hiding us, so we couldn't see the events, didn't have any idea what it was going to be. They brought us out. They explained the workout, and it was go. So, like, you didn't have any time to think about it. And, and I like that because I, I felt like in my training, I, as I got closer to the game's prep, I started just, if I walked in the class and liked the class workout, I would just do it. Right. Like I didn't have time to think about it, like just jump in and just go. And so I, I didn't give myself a chance to overthink things mm-hmm. and just trust on my, my speed technique and, and just my conditioning to just go and not have to try to figure out the workout and what my pace is going to be in my head. Right. And it ended up doing really, really well through the, the kind of the final three pieces of the, the last day, last workout. Wow. And uh, yeah, I ended up coming back right there at the end. The guy who wasn't first had kind of a mess up on the, the last piece. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of how sports go. Mm. Uh, you come out, everybody's, everybody's prepared, everybody's training. Sometimes, sometimes you mess up. Sometimes you call the wrong play. Sometimes uh, somebody makes a mistake and the other team, you know, capitalizes on it and wins. And that was just kind of what, what ended up happening. So the game was basically on the line the last minute. What do you think separated you from the rest of the field? Uh, it's funny that, you know, it was just I could hear – I could just hear kind of like everyone's like voices, like my family and friends were like right there, right on the edge. I could just hear them just yelling, like, just go, go, you know, just finish this, finish this. You, you finish this workout, you're going to win the whole thing. So it was just that mindset. It felt like the first couple of times I ever got into those workouts where you just were dying and you're just like, I'm almost at the end. I'm so close. Just keep going. Just get the next rep. Just keep moving and you're going to finish. And, uh, so it was just all that training that led up to the last couple of years of conditioning and working out. It's like I just could feel it like right there, just finish this, everything you got. Right. So it was really a pretty, uh, pretty exhausting mentally and physically moment, but it was definitely worth it. Wow. So kind of another thing that was really tough at the finish there is that's, it's kind of the unofficial result. So everybody that did those final events, you didn't know who, who scored on what before. So the points still all had to be kind of finalized and figured out. So they just kind of took us back. We were in this kind of waiting room. We had to get drug tested. So it's kind of like this almost anticlimactic finish. <laughs> we were like, I don't even know if I won. Where did I end up finishing? And just in a room of like five guys. So we're all sitting there basically knowing one of us won. We're all sitting here. We just didn't know who. I thought, uh, you know, I was second place going into the last event. Thought I did really well in the last three parts. So I thought, I have to, you know, I, I got to be first or second. So I was happy regardless, but I, I knew it was just so close and just wanted that, that, that victory. So we go out, they bring us out, and um, we're standing there. And, and finally they're, you know, they're announcing third place, second place. And obviously after they announce second place, it's like, wow. 
it was this is me you know I want it so just kind of standing up on that podium and just you know standing there and looking out at the crowd and seeing my my parents crying and seeing my wife well at the time just my girlfriend just crying and just uh and I didn't cry and it was funny that she was like it didn't seem like you were you know so super happy and it was it was so much of just the journey and the path leading up to that that moment like all that energy all that sweat and tears and pain and stuff that you experienced going into it, it was almost just like this this moment just at the top standing there like i won this wow. i did it like i achieved achieved what i was you know going for yeah. you know two years ago and uh it was just an awesome moment wow it's really inspiring so what is it that motivates you to work so hard i mean you said to spend two years to get to that moment of being only a champion what motivates you every day um you know i, I think of just you know for my own kind of self you know looking at it relying back even on what I was in high school and, and college it was a lot of my own self-relying self-relying and I you know when I chose that path um yeah, there was times of success and there was definitely times of failure and and then sometimes you're just really really hard on yourself because you um you're just expecting so much out of yourself as I kind of grew my relationship with the Lord and, and started relying that what I'm doing and what I'm trying to train for is a bigger purpose than just myself um, it's it's not just to inspire my own self and inspire my wife and inspire my family. It's, it's, it's there's a community of people out there that need to be inspired about what we're doing in this movement of CrossFit. Um, so definitely being able to kind of focus and and pray on it and and know that it's not just about me. It's right. not right. Graham Holmberg's story. And you know if you, you really sit back in the, the timeline of existence of people, right. um, we're really just going to be a small kind of piff of what what actually the, is existing. So. Right. Uh, I just knew the moment was this moment, and as I continue to train, is much bigger than me. So, having knowing that, it's it just allows me to to kind of just be free and not uh, to, too much stress on myself, and and just be able to just uh, have fun with what I'm doing. Sure, sure. So, so how much of being a champion and winning, getting first place, is physical, and how much of it is mental? Oh, yeah, that's Cause, tough. Because you're a strong guy. I'm a strong guy, and if you look at like the stats and you know the, the conditioning stats and the, the running stats and the weightlifting stats and all the all the different benchmarks and times that you can roll into CrossFit, um, kind of uh, you know graphing and uh, any way you want to look at it, I'm not the guy who you would say is like that guy's going to win it every year. I was just kind of good across the board and um, didn't really have anything that was like, how did this guy win? He wasn't any better than everybody else. He just kind of was good at everything. And uh, I guess that was kind of what CrossFit wants is they want, they didn't want somebody to be specialized in one area and then be okay at everything else. Because if that event rolls out for him, he's going to definitely do awesome at it, but he's going to be okay at everything else. Mm-hmm. Sort of really, you know, hammer it out if it's physical or mental. I still can't, I still couldn't even say if it, it you definitely have to be able to do the stuff. You know, it's not, it's not like you can just have like this awesome mindset and go out there and lift 300 pounds or whatever the event, you know, asks you to do. If you can't physically do it, you can't do it. Um, but I, I, I think that there's a, there's a reason there's obviously some people win and some people don't. And you, I think out of the, the 50 guys that are out there, obviously everybody got there. Everybody qualified. Mm-hmm. Everybody's good enough to be there. But why does some people? Why do some people always find themselves in the top ten or top five or top twenty? Or why do some people always just kind of finish in the middle or just really bomb out? And it's what, know, what's yeah. the difference between first and second place? If the guy in second place was just as strong, just as talented as you, probably more physically ripped, everything right? What's the difference between you winning and him getting second? Definitely, I was gonna. You would have to say mindset. Mm. 
mindset and mental approach. Mental approach. Cool. So do you think being a champion is something that only a few people are born with, or can anyone learn how to become a champion? Very tough. Um, you know, I think we're all put on this earth for a certain reason. And, uh, you know, obviously kind of that whole nature versus nurture and how you're raised and how you're grown up um, definitely plays into that. Some people are, you know, God gifted and can, can jump through the ceiling or they're six foot seven or they're, uh, you know, they can run a, a four, three forty. Um, some of that is just God given ability. And to a certain extent, I think there is definitely some pieces you have to be born with to, to have, have some of that in, in the same right. Um, I don't think that, you know, I'm not six, seven. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the fastest guy. I wasn't the strongest guy, but, um, it was definitely something that I felt like I could train and push myself to become mm. with the, with kind of the right teamwork, with the right network of people, with the right support group, with the right mindset. Right. And then obviously just putting myself in the right positions to succeed. Right. So what's your definition of success, Graham? Well, I would have to say in the in the CrossFit world, or if, if you're looking to be a top elite CrossFitter, um, winning a regional or qualifying at a regional level to make it to the games um, would be you know one category of success. Uh, being at the games level and winning you know the whole competition, uh, you could obviously say is is success. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it can be deeper than that. You know, as far as you know, if you're happy at the end of the day, if uh, if you're proud of what you've accomplished. If uh, you know you can put a smile on your face and, and walk away knowing that uh, you gave it everything you had, um, you know I think at the end of the day you're successful, and it kind of comes back to what we've talked about the mindset. You know I think some people are so down on themselves or don't believe that they can even achieve something, um, and doesn't mean that they can't be successful. Maybe not, but um, it might be very very difficult for them to in their own mind to think that they're having success. Right. Right. So, Graham, for any young athlete or any professional business owner out there on their own journey, what type of inspiring advice could you give them to kind of take it over the over the edge and help them become their own champion? Uh, I think it's, it's definitely going to have to start, I think, within. Um, it's got to be something that you want. It's got to be something that uh, you... You're, you're willing to, to sacrifice and make some, some serious adjustments to, uh, to get yourself in the right position. Um, you got to be able to look at what you've, where you've came from, your past, what you've done, what's, what you've learned from, what didn't work, what has worked, and uh, start being able to kind of mesh that all together with, uh, with your goals and, and know, know where you're going. Because you know, it's, it's funny, I used it in the class the other day. We were just talking about positions and doing a movement right. I'm like, if we can't even start or be in the, the position that we, we need to finish in, or we're, if we don't know where we're going, how are we going to get there? Right. You know, it's just going to be this kind of zigzagged, lost journey, and uh, we're going to make mistakes along the way. And, I mean, that's going to happen with everybody, but having a good mindset, knowing where you're going, starting to be able to take sacrifices because you're, you're going to have to cut some things out and you're going to have to uh, make some adjustments. Right. Having an awesome support team, network of people, because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. Right. just can't do it on your own. It's impossible. Awesome. So, Graham, thanks so much for coming out, my man. I'll tell you what, guys, this is some extremely powerful stuff. I think it's really valuable to hear that even the best in the world have lost their focus time and time again. The biggest difference is that champions get back out there and keep on going. 
So if you guys want to learn more about Graham, make sure to check him out on Twitter at Graham Holmberg or check him out on his Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Graham Holmberg. As always, feel free to head over to schoolofgreatness.com to sign up for free to be notified of our next episodes. And if you appreciate the show, then we would appreciate it if you leave us a five-star review over on iTunes because we would love to get the positive message out to the world. Until next time, thanks for listening, guys, and make sure to do something great. Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.